Hey everybody, I'm Lee McCormick. Welcome to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast, episode 15, Springsteen Fandom Volume 4, Australian edition with Jamie McClellan. Jamie's going to join us for the show today and give his perspective of being a Springsteen fan from Australia. Jamie's uh, been a longtime fan and seen a bunch of shows over from that part of the world, so it's going to be interesting to get his take on uh, being a Springsteen fan from Australia. So uh, yeah, we got some good stories for you, some good tunes. Sit back and enjoy. Let's go down under to Australia with the boss. He was born in the USA, but has fans in every corner of the world. Bruce Springsteen is the absolute embodiment of rock and roll. His songs instantly recognizable, his guitar playing truly awesome, and his marathon three-hour live shows are as joyous and unpredictable as they are unmissable. The music legend rarely gives interviews, but I had the pleasure of sitting down with the boss to talk about his new album, High Hopes, his upcoming Australian tour, and what truly inspires him. Well, if no one else has told you, it is going number one everywhere. Really? As we speak. Well, I hope that's true. Well, it is true. <laughs> Would I lie to you? That must be a nice feeling. Yeah, it's always nice. Uh, you always want your records to do well, you know. We try to make the best music we can, and then we put the mu- then we put it out, and we want it to find its greatest audience, you know. But but as a kid, I grew up on top 40 radio, and I had the little transistor under my pillow, and I had a notebook. And every Wednesday, when they did the countdown, I would write the top 20 down in my notebook, in my bed at night, with my ear to the transistor. That was your frame of reference, was top 10, top 20, you know? Now I got this guitar, and I learned how to make her talk. The New Jersey native caught the music bug early when his mother bought him an $18 guitar. And the sounds of the 60s gave the 13-year-old plenty of inspiration. So you listen to the Beatles and the Stones and the Hollies and the Who and oh, a great melting pot, wasn't it? It was yeah. just a, a real hybrid. Yeah, and yeah, you'd have something like uh, Louis Armstrong's Hello Dolly would come out and, and like hold number one for, for weeks, you know. Now, 1963, the folk boom was at its peak here in the United States. There were shows like Hootenanny. Uh, it was primetime television. And so you had a drum circle of, I don't know, 30 or 40 guys uh, with guitars. And they would sit in this circle every weekend and they would play Twist and Shout and they would play some old folk songs and some rock songs. And my main goal was, I said, I just want to be good enough to sit in this circle with these guys some weekend and be quietly strum my guitar, you know. That was, that was my great hope when I thought about beginning to play. And then when I started to play a little bit, I used to go down to the CYO dances and high school dances. And I'd watch the band. I didn't watch the lead guitarist because that was, I was dreaming too hard, right? <laughs> I watched the guy who was playing rhythm. I said, that's the guy I want to be. I, I think I might be able to pull off, pull off being that guy. Did you dare to dream in those days that one day it'd be your voice blaring out of the nah. transistor? No, no, I, I realized I had a lot of innate talents and a certain ambition and drive that made me push very hard at it. So. He 
received critical acclaim for his first two albums, but needed a commercial hit to save him from being dropped from his record label. After 18 months of slogging it out in the studio, Springsteen released the album that would cement his place in music history. We needed to deliver something that was gonna keep us on the label and just keep us alive, basically. So there was a lot of pressure going into that particular record and uh, it took quite a while doing it. And it was a little bit of a do or die situation. Born to Run was a smash and Springsteen achieved immortality when he became the first rock star to land on the cover of both Newsweek and Time magazine in the same week. So these were two very mainstream cultural magazines. And for one reason or another, they both decided to put me on the cover the same week. But I had a decision. If I didn't give the interview, I wasn't, wasn't going to be on the cover. So I'm very ambivalent in general, but I said, well, I don't want to sit around and go when I'm ripe old age of 60 <laughs> <laughs> and go, oh, I would have, should have, could have in my rocking chair and go, oh, man, I had a shot and I didn't take it, you know. He was only 22, but was well on the way to becoming rock royalty. I felt I was talented. I'd already had 10 years experience. I knew, I knew more about leading a band at 22 than, than most people do today, you know? I mean, because I, I had to live every single day of it, you know? I had, I had to play in front of every conceivable audience, firemen's fairs, movie theater openings, shop ride openings, out in front of grocery stores, in between movies at the drive-in theater. I had already played in front of almost every conceivable audience by the time before I ever signed a record deal. I was born at the, at a great moment to be doing the job I'm doing. There was only 10 years of rock music, but it was 10 years of the invention of rock and roll that came right before I came out. You know, you had Elvis, boom. You had 60s pop, boom. You had the Beatles, boom. You had soul, Motown, boom, where I was able to get the benefit of those mentors and yet still early on in, in Rock's history. Monday morning feels so bad Everybody seems to nag me Coming Tuesday I feel better Even my old man looks good Wednesday just won't go Thursday goes too slow I got Friday on my mind, yeah. Gonna have fun in the city. Be with my girl, she's so pretty. She looks fine tonight. She is out of sight to me. They drag once more You ain't nothing else that bugs me More than working for the rich man I'm gonna change that scene one day Tonight I'm not being mad 
So joining me on the podcast, we have Jamie McClellan. Jamie, how you doing, man? I'm going really good, Lee. Thanks. How are you going there? I'm doing great. Great. You're from Australia. Yeah, I'm in Melbourne, Lee. Yeah. Melbourne. So, yeah, Melbourne down southeast corner there. So Excellent. bit of a geography lesson there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so figure we get your kind of Australian perspective of being a Bruce Springsteen fan. We're just going to talk about some... Uh, just some general things about being a Springsteen fan, some of your experiences, and to kind of get your perspective of being a fan from down under, from Australia, the kind of differences that maybe, differences and similarities, I guess, being a fan down there and being a fan over here, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, happy to happy to discuss that, Lee. So, um, yeah, been, been a fan on and off for, since I was a little kid, really. Um, I guess one, uh, the first real memory of Springsteen I had was, I remember it really clear, actually. It was late 78 and I was on the school bus. I was only seven at the time and on the AM radio station, I heard Prove It All Night on the radio station on the way home. resonated with me you know and I was the youngest of four boys and um, I remember then after that one of them uh, one of my brothers had that album amongst other albums and it really resonated with me and um, then you know I listened to other albums too as I got a year or two older but Darkness was really 
the beginning for me and I guess for me that wasn't too long after Darkness came out because it came out around that time too so um, yeah but I've sort of been a fan on and off you know obviously when The River came out that was you know that was still is remains one of my favourite albums and yeah. along with and um, you know Nebraska that was a little bit dark for me when I was a young fella but you know it's grown on me in recent times obviously as I've aged and matured and so forth and born in the USA I think you know that was that was really in our faces for you know a good 12 or 18 months you know uh, after it was released so yeah that was was that that I guess was big in Australia I kind of checked out that was kind of his first number one record was I think born in the USA yeah it was it was I'm not sure how the other ones have gone I haven't sort of done done my homework there but you know, I think they yeah, I think they did okay, but you know, I think on the back of Born in the USA's earlier albums, uh, really kicked along there, Lee. So, um, one way or another, as back catalogues often do with artists once they get a big exactly. smash out. So, and, um, and the thing I noticed with Springsteen, maybe you've picked up on this too, is when I got into Bruce, kind of Born in the USA, the river was kind of my entry point, and I was kind of young, nine, ten years old when these records were coming out, and I really kind of got on to the big hits and stuff like that but then as I grew older some of his other material kind of resonated with me more as I matured as a person and I think a lot of his music has those qualities where you can pick up certain things as you go through life and as you gain different life experiences some of these this music speaks differently to you as you go through life you know I couldn't couldn't agree more with you, Lee. Like, you know, we all go through different chapters, different episodes and so forth throughout our lives. And, you know, you find yourself, you know, delving into, you know, back catalogues of, you know, not only Springsteen, but other musicians as well. And it's very interesting in that regard, you know, could be could be darkness, you know, uh, one month or one quarter or one year or whatever. Could be Tunnel of Love the next year, you know, it's really... Very interesting in that regard. Yeah, I know myself. I've sort of picked up Ghost of Tom Joad again recently, and you know, even even uh, the Wild, the Innocent, and um, you know, I spun that only a couple of days ago, and it just blew my head. You know, like I hadn't listened yeah. to it from head to tail. Yeah you know a good year or two and just how raw and what a complete album it is you know so wild i remember getting the new wild and innocent when i was a kid and uh, just because i was going through the springsteen back catalog trying to grab all these things that i didn't have and that's when i didn't really know and i remember i only knew the kind of the hit rosalita off that when i got it but then i remember hearing incident on 57th and going wow that's a that's a great song not really getting it but just realizing it's a great song and then as i would listen to that album over the years and go back to it. Some of these songs really kind of started to stick out, especially that side two with uh, with Incident, Rosalita, New York Serenade, all those back to back. You know, that, that, that trio of songs on side two, Lee, is just uh, absolutely amazing. And you know, you put it into perspective, like you know, here's a guy who was in his early twenties, and um, you know, that was uh, that was his second album he released that year. You know, the tail end of '73. And what was he, what, 24 at the time? And you think to yourself, you know, I'm, you know, early 40s now. And I think to myself, wow, you know, who does that? Like, right. the guys are... Um, you know, and even, even the front side, like, Kitty's Back, you know, uh, that's, you know, on, on the album that sounds so raw. But then you hear it in concert and, you know, 
10, 10 minutes of just absolute bliss. You know, you got Rod Hitton playing it, you know, on the piano, and it just, uh, just incredible. And how how they how they work it, you know. Yeah, the musicianship, uh, you, the musicianship, the musicianship really shows through on that song for sure. You know. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So, it's um, yeah, yeah, just yeah. His back catalogue is just you know second to none, and um, his entire catalogue is actually. But yeah. Um, so so, uh, so you, you you got in kind of in the darkness era '78, and you kind of went forward from there, experiencing the albums, going back through his music and becoming a fan. Then, when did the uh, live experiences start for you? Was he actually touring down in Australia? I guess he didn't yeah, get there until the eight, eight, the eighties, right? He came uh, came eighty five, uh, you know, on the uh, born in the USA tour, and look, I was I still uh, I jokingly say it. my mum, who's my only remaining parent now, that I I still jokingly uh, grudge to her that you know I was too young to go to that concert. Uh, down here in Melbourne at the time, you know, and what was I, 13 or 14 or whatever it was, and, um, yeah, I, I just wasn't allowed to go. And, um, <laughs> look, it took – so it, in answer to your question, it took me a long time to see him live, and uh, the first time I saw him was uh, the 8th of February, 1997, and that was the Ghost of Tom Joad tour. Uh, that was in Sydney. Um you know, it was a little bit different to what I anticipated, but it's obviously on the back of, you know, the Tom Joad album and um, it was, you know, a solo acoustic uh, show. Oh, look, it was just amazing, you know. Had, you know, a guitar for every show, every song. Yeah. Um, you know, came out with, started with the title track. I think he played racing and uh, different songs and it was just yeah, second to none, and um, it's just perfection, you know, and just the setting, you know, is in you know small intimate theatre and yeah. um, different to what I anticipated, you know, because you think, you know, on the back of, you know, uh, some of his earlier stuff, you think, yeah, I'm going to see this guy and, you know, there's going to be the whole backing, you know, the E Street Band, but it was just him, but it was just just great to get that monkey off my back, uh, Lee, yeah, and for say sure, that I haven't seen it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it was a similar story to, to mine, whereas I was young, I wanted to go to the Born in the USA tour, but I couldn't get my parents to take me to that, you know, and it took me kind of 15 years after that to finally get to see him in 2000, whereas I had kind of a few bad experiences and some missteps where I, I didn't go to the Tunnel of Love tour because he was doing an amnesty show and he was sharing the bill with others, and I wasn't kind of on board with that, and then we had the Human Touch Lucky Town tour, which I kind of had a little bad vibe for that i wasn't really on board with the uh the solo band kind of vibe ghost of uh tom joe tour here in toronto and i couldn't get tickets and then i finally couldn't get uh get to see them until the 2000 reunion tour you know but worth the wait sometimes that happens <laughs> look those uh those reunion tours i've spoken to friends who have been to some of those shows and look everyone says they were just you know out of this world and yeah. Uh, it's probably one of the, you know, lingering regrets that I have living on this side of the world is, you know, the tyranny of distance, Lee, and yeah. you know, not being able to get to some of those shows. But notwithstanding, uh, you know, moving forward, there'll be, uh, you know, possibly opportunities to, you know, get overseas again to see some shows. So, um, but I, I was, 
I'm I'm as, I'm aligned with you on the two uh, LA sort of produced albums. Um, you know, he really lost me there for some time. Yeah, and, it was weird. It was um, kind of weird. It was a weird vibe. Like you were faithful to Springsteen because it's Bruce Springsteen, but it just it just was different. You know, it just like he moved to LA and he was wearing cowboy boots now and he <laughs> he's dressing a little different. You know. <laughs> Exactly right. Yeah, you see the growing you see a goatee, stuff, and yeah, a little bit different. And oh, look, you know, to me, it goes all goes all against what mateship's about. Like, you know, he had these mates who, you know, he'd grown up with, basically, who he, you know, picked up along the way or vice versa. And um, you know, you just don't dump your mates, and you know, that's a that sort of turned me off him for some time. Notwithstanding, I listened to his earlier stuff still, you know, in that time. But, yeah. you know, those, those two albums I've never really embraced. I appreciate there's some good material on them, but, you know, um, some very good material. But yeah. you know, I've never really uh, <laughs> gotten in gotten <laughs> in too much at all, Lee. So, yeah. Yeah, One thing about that material I find was kind of neat is that uh, I have always considered those songs kind of the weaker part of his catalog you know and i didn't really give a lot of those songs a lot of chances but then kind of in the reunion tour he started playing some of these songs again with the e street band and i was yeah and when you hear them with that context of the band and it just sounds like a regular e street band song you're just like actually this is a fucking good song you know <laughs> like maybe i didn't give it a chance but you know like lucky town sounds good with max weinberg on drums or something like that you know and,
like the the band brought a lot of these songs to life especially that uh, if i should fall behind moment from the reunion tour yeah, yeah. you know so there were some nice moments and the songwriting is still top notch it's just i think the production was what a lot of people had problems with you know with that era yeah i think for me it you know goes back to what i said there you know that whole thing about mateship and that and to me it sort of just i don't know you just don't sack your mates which sure, is yeah. but then it, but then as an artist sometimes an artist has to kind of leave uh you know the comfort of, of what he can do best to kind of you know, stretch and maybe return with some new energy. Maybe he was just burnt out a little bit, didn't know, know where to go next. So throwing in some, Correct. throwing in a whole different band, a whole different music, uh, group of musicians to interpret his music, might have been just something he needed to do. Rather, whether it be a good move or a bad move, just so he can come back, you know, in '95 to get the band back together, or in '99, or for the Rising, or whatever his next project is that's going to involve them, and then have have a more of a fresher outlook on it. You know. Yeah, I fully agree there. And look, that's sort of obviously been discussed over the years, hasn't it? So yeah. it's, um, you know, and, and, and look, he, he's come back bigger than ever, hasn't he? So bigger and better than ever. So, uh, um, you know, and he's probably, you know, at this point in time, he's, you know, probably bigger and better than he ever has been. So true, yeah. uh, um, it's just amazing, actually. So. Yeah, so um, so speaking more about concert experiences, any kind of big moments, any shows that stand out in your uh, your canon of Springsteen concerts that you've seen over the years? It's funny. It's a good question, and look, it's always an interesting question on you know how many concerts and blah blah blah. Yeah, the how been. many? The how many is kind of not the thing, you know? Like, because I was talking yeah. to Charles about that, and Charles was like saying whether you've seen ten shows or a hundred shows or a thousand doesn't shows doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, right? It's just. Exactly. Fully agree. Fully agree. What, how much enjoyment have you gotten out of what you've seen? You know, like, what are some standout moments? <laughs> I think, uh, oh, I think in 2014, I, I did shows across three countries South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. And um, I think night two in Cape Town, for memory, I got trapped. And um, yeah. trapped is my favourite covers. And um, it was funny, I'd. Um, befriended a couple from Windhoke in Namibia. They'd sort of driven down for the concert and were having a beer before the show. And I don't often drink before a show because, you know, you're racing the little little men's room, you know. And logistics, yes. want to do that <laughs> and you're up, up, up near the front, obviously, Lee. But anyway, I had a beer and um, or two and talking to, these, uh, talking to this couple and they said, oh, what do you want to see tonight? And I said, oh, I want, really want to see Trapped. They said, oh... One of them said, oh, I hope you get it then. And, you know, six or seven songs in, it came up. And, <laughs> you know, they looked and raised their eyebrows and nodded their heads. Nice. And it's just, it just a really nice moment, you know. And um, just awesome. that whole tour was good, actually. Um, you know, I lived overseas for a couple of years in London there uh, at the end of last century. And I spent a month down in Africa. And just to get back there um, a couple of years ago and see the differences again. And around Cape Town and Joburg was just uh, really, really amazing. And throwing throwing in Springsteen, it was uh, second and none. And yeah. you know, there was a lot of new material played on that show from obviously uh you know the high hopes album and um yeah it was just very enjoyable and it's the first time i'd done a concert tour overseas so yeah, i was very neatly and on the back of that i came back to australia and uh did did a number of shows in australia as well and sort of got really hooked on it you know and uh it's just uh 
yeah, then ended up doing going to New Zealand then, and you know um, Sydney was a highlight that year because you know Darkness was played from head to tail. Oh. Uh, you know, my favourite oh. album and. Uh, um, you know, a standout for that night was, you know, um, there's a little bit of apprehension, I thought, in the crowd because Jake had flown home because, yeah, we all unfortunately know the story that his father uh, passed away and that was extremely sad. And Eddie Mannion really stood up to the plate and, you know, he was, um, I jokingly say he was best on stage that night and um, he really, really uh, nailed it that night, Eddie oh, Mannion did, oh, as he does the other night, and along with all the other musos that, who uh, play in the A-Street band. But, um, you know, to get to get that album uh, in its entirety was, uh, that, that was special. That was really special. And those were the shows, and, those were the shows with uh, Tom Morello was subbing in most of those shows, is that correct? Yes, yes. Morello, Morello toured in 13 down here as well. You know, obviously Stephen was uh, you know, filming Lilyhammer over in Norway at the time, that uh, HBO right. uh, show. Um, and, you know, Bruce filled the void there with Tom. And obviously we were fortunate enough to get both Tom and Steve down here in 2014, which, um, you know, with Nils, um, you know, Gary, you know, Susie at times on guitar up there. Bruce, you know, playing guitar up there. Sometimes you have up to, you know, half a dozen guitarists playing on stage. <laughs> yeah, it goes, against just... the, it goes against my buddy John Cars has a rule that there should be no more than two guitars on stage at a time. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you get three, four, five, six guitars out there. It gets a little crazy. But I do love the three-guitar assault with, uh, like, since the reunion tour with Nils, Bruce, and Steve. It's just... Oh, it's just a perfect mix of guitar, you know. Like all three of those guys have their characteristics on the guitar, and you, you, they all get their moments through the show. Absolutely wonderful. And Nils is one of my favorites, you know. Like you look at his music box that he released there a couple of years ago, Face of Music, you know, it's, um, nine CD compilation. I don't know if you've played it or not, but you know, it takes takes a little bit of listening to you, but yeah. You know, Here's a guy who's an accomplished musician in his own right, as are the other guys in the bands and girls. But, um, you know, do yourself a favour and um, have a listen to it if you haven't, Lee. And, you know, he's um, just absolutely, I'm in awe of that guy. And, you know, some of the stuff that I've seen him do on the River Tour this year, I, he's like a good bottle of wine. Like, he's just getting better with age. <laughs> true, people, yeah. forget, people forget, you know, you see him doing, you know, Youngstown or, you know. Uh, because of the night because, when he gets those because yeah. like when he does a spin, spin, spin. People forget, here's a guy in his 60s, Lee, you yeah. know, in his yeah. 60s. Two titanium hips, and uh, used to yeah, do that. Just imagine. He used to do that shtick right in the '80s where he would actually do a like like a, a fucking flip, right? Like a, a flip. Exactly. He would have like a trampoline on stage, and he would a do like a, a flip with a guitar in it. <laughs> There's that one photo, like a popular photo, I think, from the Born in the USA tour, where it shows like Nils almost on his head, and Bruce is there, like just like smiling at him, and he's like mid flip. It's just insane. <laughs> Cool, yeah. I want to play this song by Nils Lofgren called No Mercy. This came off of his record entitled Nils from 1979, produced by Bob Ezrin of uh, Kiss, Alice Cooper, Pink Floyd fame. 
Uh, I was turned on to this song by another podcast, The Shabby Road Record Show, which is hosted by Ryan McKay, A.D. Adams. It's a great show. I encourage you all to check out The Shabby Road Record Show. Uh, these guys, they bring in a few records each, and they just kind of discuss the music, talk about some songs you might not have heard before, some deep cuts, and it's a really great show, and they always bring bring some new music to my ears that I've never heard before. So anyway, I heard this song on their show. Great song uh, about boxing by Nils Lofgren. I've always loved boxing. I love the discipline of boxing, the psychological battle that the boxer has with himself. And So check out the lyrics on this song. It's really cool lyrics talking about the juxtaposition of being a boxer in the battle one faces. For you to succeed, you have to destroy someone else, right? For you to win that battle, you have to beat someone else. So it's always that deadly uh, give-and-take balance of life that the... Uh, the protagonist and the boxer in this song is dealing with. So uh, check out this cool track, No Mercy by Nils Lofgren. Out for the first, atmosphere's heavy, world title lays on the line. Strong and proud, he is much older, I'm the faster I'm in my prime. Third round late, he starts to tire Open cut over his left eye Smelling blood, attack is relentless In the box seats I see his girl cry His eyes are flooded, God, he can't even see. I've hunted this title, but now it don't seem right. I fight back tears while I destroy his life.
yeah, he, his guitar work, man, just very, uh, very underrated musician that Mills Lofton. Yeah, great solo career. I'll add just the best side man anybody could ever have. Like he played with Neil Young and obviously with Springsteen, and man, just great guitar solos when you need to, when you need him, right? Like Springsteen can handle it all. He's just as good a guitar player as any of these guys, but he, Nils is Absolutely. there for like the kind of sweet finesse moments, you know. Oh, he's just absolutely amazing. And then, yeah, you have, yeah, you lose, you know, you, you lose a band member, you know, cornerstone of the band in uh, Clarence, and then, you know, how blessed is Bruce to get Jake to come on board? True. Yeah. Uh, you know, talk about, you know, wow, you know, he's uh, he's amazing. And and again, he's another accomplished musician in his own right. He's he's toured down here. Uh, he was down here last year and, and the year before, and shows weren't overly subscribed to, but I was fortunate enough to, you know, get to quite a few, um, had some good chats to him and so forth, saw some great songs and music of his. You know, he, he's a guy who sings, he plays saxophone, obviously, plays guitar, you know, multi-instrumentalist uh, playing guy, and, uh, you know, he... Jake Lemons will hear a lot more of in his own right sure, over yeah. time. Well, I, I certainly hope we do because um, he's he's as good as any, in my opinion. Um, we just haven't seen, you know, we've seen him on stage with the A Street Band, obviously, but he's um, there's a lot of talent there, I tell you what, Lee. Yeah, we'll look forward to seeing what Jake does in the next uh, coming decades or whatever. You know, he's got a lot of years ahead of him, and it's good that <clears> – <throat> You know his bloodline. He's he's coming from Clarence, so it's kind of eases eases the transition. You know when you don't just have a stranger replacing Clarence, it's kind of nice that you're part of the family still on stage. You know, <laughs> has, has a has a really romantic synergy, doesn't it? It's like, true. It's, yeah. yeah, like I love when when Clarence was replaced, Bruce replaced him with an entire horn section, right? Like for that 2012 Wrecking Ball tour, he was almost like. It's going to take more than one guy to replace the big man. So we're going to come out with a horn section, you know. <laughs> we're going to ease Jake in there easily. We're not going to just put him right on the on the chopping block, you know. First off, we're going to ease him in there with some people on his side. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, back to, you know, and you mentioned Morello. And obviously, um, you know, 2013 with um, the Wrecking Ball Tour, which that really got me back on board with Springsteen. I think I said, you know, he lost me there for a little while, and I still listen to his back catalogue. But yeah, we, if something came out, Lee, I'd buy it. But you know, it'd sort of sit in the bottom of the right. CD drawer or record drawer or whatever, you know. And um, you know, I stick to you know, Darkness and Tunnel of Love, which is another favourite of mine, and you know, all these earliest stuff. But you know, when Wrecking Ball came out, here's this huge album, and it just sort of really grabbed me, and just the themes in it, you know, resonated with me. You know, the whole, you know. Death to my hometown, this depression, you know, wrecking ball, rocky ground, you know, land of hopes and dreams, and all the themes that resonate in those, um, you know, uh, in those songs, you know, I think it really encapsulated, you know, the period in America and throughout the greater world that uh, what was happening and transpiring around the world with, you know, banks going past the GFC and so forth. And, you know, uh, I think Springsteen sort of captured a lot of themes there perfectly as he, as he seems to tap into regularly. I'll mow your lawn Clean the leaves out your dream 
I'm in your room to keep out the rain. I'll take the work that God provides. I'm a jack of all trades. Honey, we'll be all right. I'll hammer the nails and I'll set the stone. I'll harvest your crops when they're ripe and grown. I'll pull that engine apart, patch her up till she's running right. I'm a jack of all trades. We'll be all right. Hurricane blows, brings a hard rain. When the blue sky breaks, feels like the world's gonna change. We'll start caring for each other, like Jesus said that we might. I'm a jack of all trades. We'll be all right. Yeah, and Tom Morello kind of brought a different style to Springsteen's music, which I think he enjoyed. Right there, I think there were some moments there where they were getting into the studio, and I guess Steve was unavailable due, due to that Lily Hammer gig, so they were recording just some one-off extra things, kind of thing, while they were on tour. And uh, I guess he liked having Tom Morello in the studio. They did that Ghost of Tom Joad uh, duet, which was really, really good with that weird sort of... Like, Tom Morello's guitar style is kind of unorthodox, right? It takes a lot to get used to. I'm not really a fan of it, but he somehow made it work with Springsteen. You know, it fit in there a little... Not as crazy as it's usually, but it, I don't know. that They made it work, you know? They made it work, and that, that, that guitar of his, it's that highly st strung and... You know, that Arm yeah. the Homeless guitar that he uh, proudly shows off all the time and uh, good on him and, uh, you know, said highly strung and, you know, the way he plays it and the noises that he gets out of it, Lee, it's yeah. just incredible. <laughs> That's cool. uh, you know, I think that I think that song was recorded down here either in Sydney or in uh, Byron Bay, I think, from memory. And uh, it's interesting, another song on the off that album, High Hopes, uh, Just Like Firewood, that was uh, that was written by a guy called Chris Bailey and a right. band called The Saints. And I don't know whether you've heard of them or not, but I'm actually seeing them on the 4th of October down here in Melbourne. So I'm uh, pretty pumped about that, actually. And it'll just be good to see uh, the original band play the original song, you know. Yeah. Um, do you, was, there a, do you know, was there a connection with Bruce in that band or was that just a song that he just kind of heard and just dug? I believe the latter. Um, I did read that somewhere, but yeah. uh, I, I think that was the case. So the Saints, as you know, were a sort of, I don't know if you know the background of the Saints, they were sort of a semi-punk band that came out of um, came out of here in the late 70s, you know, on the back of punk, you know. And um, 86, they, you know, had, had a hit with this song called Just Like Firewood. And, um, you know, they sort of went off the radar a little bit then and, they're doing a series of 
three or four shows here at a uh, pub here in a suburb in Melbourne called Collingwood here in the first week of October. So I'm fortunate enough to get to one of those, so I'm pretty pumped about that. So let, let me let's drop that just like firewood song in here. Let's uh, let's check out that song right now from High Hopes, just like firewood. Who's covering the Saints? One night in a motel room, eyes cast like steel. I drank the wine that they left on my table. Knew the morning was too far. I smoked my last cigarette. I stay only to define. The night was dark and the land was cold. I was frozen right to the bone. Just like firewood, I burn up. Just like firewood. Just like firewood, I burn up. Five hundred miles I've gone today, Lord. Tomorrow's five hundred more. Outside my window, the world passes by. It's stranger than a dream. Just like firewood, I'm burning. Just like firewood. Just like firewood, I'm burning. I go to work and I earn my pay, Lord. My sweat falls in the ground. I see you now, we never meet again, chapter. The ice is hanging on the So let's uh, go back. You're talking about uh, some upcoming shows. So I guess some current events is that Bruce has just announced uh, an Australian tour for February 2017. You must be excited about that, Jim. I'm really pumped, actually. And uh, I'd sort of heard bits and pieces over the past month or two that, you know, the tour was on and, you know, where the smoke was fire, they say, uh, yeah. Lee. And um, you know, sort of... Uh, told expect the end of january and uh you know the room has turned out right and um look um there's nine nine concerts uh penned in at the moment and uh i dare say there'll be you know the way springsteen operates will be you know a few more uh penned in somewhere along the track right, yeah. and 
I'm looking at going to eight at this stage. So, um, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a fun summer for you. That's the summer down under, right? Yeah. It's going to be huge. So, <laughs> start some perf. So, fly over there and uh, then come back over the East Coast and uh, do do the shows here and then head over to New Zealand. So, it's uh, it's going to be one hell of a ride, Lee. I tell you excellent, what. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Any speculation on what the shows are going to be? Now, I assume we're going to be done with the River 2016 thing by then, and we got a solo album coming out. We haven't heard much about that because we're hearing about this book that's coming out in the You're fall. Right. So the solo tour, I would assume this tour is going to be promoting the solo album with the E Street Band. That would be a prediction. I'm not sure though. Any thoughts on that? That, that that's a good question that's a good yeah, that, that's a very good question i actually haven't really thought too much about it um there's only five new songs on this uh album that's coming out later this month isn't yeah, there so true and, it, uh, and it's hard to say which ones if any of those songs will translate into e street band live performances you know because we're looking at castile's demos and live songs from like the early 60s and we're looking at some acoustic demos i think so we'll see if the, any of these songs translate to live performances from the band i kind of think you might get similar to what we're seeing with these summer shows um with with bruce just doing the hits with the e street band and then maybe we'll get the solo album later in the summer who knows if he'll be able to get it out by that tour you know my my prediction is this: it'll follow what's happened recently in the last, you know, ten or a dozen shows, and uh, fingers crossed they'll be quite long shows. And I've just got a feeling we'll get a River album show or two. I've yeah. got a feeling we'll get one here, maybe in Melbourne, and maybe one at in Auckland. I'm only surmising. Look, right, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd certainly like to see that. You know, um, I couldn't get to America earlier this year for. Uh, due, due for due to unforeseen reasons, but um, I had planned on doing that, but um, I couldn't get over there, so I, I missed that part of the tour, or I missed the river tour. Sorry, and um, I'd really, I'd really like to see that album in its entirety played because there are some songs on there that I haven't seen played live, like yeah. "Stolen Car," which is just epic. You know, "Drive All Night." You know, um, just you know. Price You Pay was my big moment when I saw that too. That's one of my favorite songs that I'd never seen live. And uh, hearing, the, hearing the band kick into that <laughs> literally brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> like I was, I was emotional like I've almost never been at a concert hearing them, hearing them kick off that, that intro to Price You Pay. <laughs> Absolutely the- right. And uh, I think he released a, I think he released a uh, concert. Could have been Cleveland or Chicago. Uh, I stand corrected on... Uh, my memory there, but um, I think it was he the did... Chicago one. The Chicago, he, yeah. the free download, maybe. That's that's correct. Yeah, yeah. And, um, just the intro to inclusive of "I Want to Marry You," just absolutely spectacular. Yeah, uh, Bruce and Steve and, doing and, the standing on the corner doo wop vibe. Oh, beautiful! There she comes. Here she comes walking oh. down the street. You know, <laughs> bingo. Yeah, just. Absolutely wonderful, and um, yeah, hopefully, you know, um, there'll be a few of these uh, memories, you know, I'll be able to talk about in 12 months' time from the shows in January, February next year, Lee, so that's what I'm really hopeful of, and similar similar to the past shows that I've seen in the past couple of years, so it's um, certainly exciting times ahead, and certainly um, 
Oh, well, I'm not worried, but I know a lot of people that are about getting tickets over the next week or two when they go on sale next week. So yeah. what will be will be. But, you know, I have no hesitation in saying that, you know, I'll be somewhere down in the pit, you know, uh, <laughs> on show. So um, you just got to have faith, don't you? Exactly. And hopefully you'll get this uh, same version of the E Street Band, which I really dig, which is this 10-piece configuration of the E Street Band, which I guess is the uh, regular version and not the big version a 10 piece band when i saw the uh the wrecking ball tour had about 15 16 people in that e street band because he had the horn section in the background singers absolutely percussion and it's good but you know i like the stripped down band a little bit better i like to be able to hear steve's background vocals you know not kind of blended in with four or five other voices you kind of just get to hear the band members a little bit better when there's less people on stage if you know what i mean and i thought this i think this band is just firing on all all cylinders max especially steve's stepped up you know i i find it absolutely amazing the quality of work that they're doing the length of the shows that they're doing like these are these are people um men and women on stage in their 60s and i say that respectfully exactly senior uh, citizens <laughs> I say with the utmost respect, Lee, and uh, these guys, there's no one else better better on the road. There's no one else better on the planet. Like, true. Lee, these guys are as good as it gets. It's as simple as that. You know, you see, um, well, what's Selena Gomez going to play for, half an hour? Um, yeah. You know, what's J-Lo going to play for, you know, an hour or two? What's Coldplay going to play for? couple hours max you know yeah. i'm saying in december and i'm kind of wishing i wasn't i've seen them you know four or five times before but um you know it, it's you know when you weigh these bands up not the first couple that i mentioned mind you sorry but you know bands like coldplay and whoever else play for a couple hours and then you weigh it up to you know springstone and co playing for three hours three hours plus you know every yeah. night not not just a set list they ferry it every night. Yeah. And, hundreds of you know, songs they play a tour, you know? And hundreds of songs. So I think, you know, I was reading there, could have been a night or two ago, the four, the four shows that they did in uh, Africa in 2014, I think there was 69 sh different songs that they played wow. across four nights, you know? And, how do they do uh, that? How do they do it? And, you know, if you're, you know, Nils or, you know, Steve or Tom or Gary or whoever, you know, you just must think, geez, what's going to be thrown at me next, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I, I always give a lot of credit to Max, who's like, he's 66, and he's he's the second hardest working guy on stage next to Bruce, you know. And he plays, he's playing three and a half hour shows with barely a break. The show I saw was the River Tour in Toronto in February, and I, that show was about three and a half hours. And Max took one break where Bruce would play the start to Thunder Road and he would do the uh, harmonica intro by himself. And you could see Max stand up off his stool and do a, do a little stretch and, you know, get the blood circulating. But besides that moment, he's on that stool, like just killing those drums for three hours, you know, just... Yeah. He's, he's absolutely amazing. Like, um, you know, I, I, I call him Bam Bam, you know, out of the little... Stone's character because he just goes non-stop all night, you know. But yeah. um, and I again I say that respectfully. But um, he's just you know. Well, they all are. You look at Bitten, you know. How good is Roy? You know, his yeah. piano, you know, on songs like on any songs, but you know, things like Flood or 
you know, Kitty's back or whatever it may be. It's just um, yeah. they're, they're all just superb. And, um, and it's almost you know, like Bruce recognizes how good these guys are playing right now, and he knows the time in front of them is, you know, precious and who knows how long this is going to last. So I think when he started this tour, this river tour, I think he only wanted to do one show kind of just to commemorate the box set, you know? And then the one show the one show turns into like a two-month tour, which then turns into like an extended summer tour, which is now, you know, going into 2017 because I think he's just realizing how good this band is and let's just keep it going and as long as we can, you know? You've hit the nail on the head. And like I said earlier, you, you won't see better. And um, I'm convinced and, you know, who who flying around the planet performing at the moment is comparable to these guys? Exactly, exactly, yeah. You know, um, I, I can't name anyone anyway. And uh, they're top of the game and they have been, what, for half a century now. Exactly. And um, it's really quite... Um, yeah, it, it's incredible, really. So the book's certainly going to be interesting on that note. And um, are you getting along to any signings or anything like that? Uh, I looked into it, and uh, it's going to be a little chaotic, I see. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to make the trek down to the U.S. to uh, go to any of these book signings, even though it would be great to get an autographed copy and a little – I guess you get a photo with Bruce, and uh, you get an, <laughs> uh, you get, you get a pre – like uh, you get to pose with Bruce for like a three-second photo, <laughs> and you get, a, you get a pre-signed book, which is kind of cool. And I, I guess Bruce is going to give like a little interview, who knows, half an hour kind of little thing, I assume, to the crowd. Uh, but yeah, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna venture it for that. So I'll just look forward to hearing everybody's stories, <laughs> experiences with that. But I'm looking forward to the book. I definitely want to look tear through that and just see from Bruce's mind how he's looked back on his career. You know, we've all looked back on his career. We've all speculated on things he's done and the reasons he's done it. But now we're gonna hear it from Bruce, and I think this is gonna be a a really a special book. Well, seven years in the making, Lee, it's certainly going to be a good read and um, a lengthy read by the size of it. And, yeah. uh, you know, some of the things that have come out, you know, his depression and, you know, the uh, operation on his uh, neck slash shoulder to release the tension or whatever and pulling back his vocal cords and things like that. Like, right. that was all pretty hush-hush, wasn't it? Yeah. So. Um, and you, the, yeah, this, depression, the depression thing just came out as like a little thing that he speaks about in this book and yeah, I think they also mentioned that Patty was saying like don't speak about this and he was just like nah I want to talk about this and it's kind of when you think about Springsteen being depressed how can a guy like this go through a depression but you, you kind of have to realize that everybody is living in their own world you know and everybody's trying to make the best of whatever you know whatever options they have and that's sometimes depression occurs uh, in people that from the outside looks like they have, you know, the world at, in their fingertips. It's quite funny because, uh, quite funny you mentioned that because, you know, you realize the energy you have in front of thirty or 40,000 people and then you get off that stage right. and you think, wow, you know, it's a big come down. Yeah, and, I'm, sitting in my, I'm sitting in my hotel room and, you know, it's so quiet. What's going on? Whereas if I walk out this door, <laughs> it's a different scene altogether. And it's it's got to be hard to deal with that that dichotomy, those two different things, you know? Kind of up and down like a yo-yo all the time. And, you know, not only that, like the hotel rooms, you wouldn't know where you are each night, wouldn't know where your, you know, light switches are or anything like that, you know? It's a pretty, pretty bleak existence. But um, in that regard, but I, I'm hoping that Paddy makes a trip down here. I really, you know, I, I like Paddy and, yeah. you know, 
no, no, she might be somewhat maligned in some circles, but you know, again, she's another accomplished musician, and um, I really hope she makes the track down here this time. And um, I um, won't be disappointed if she's not, but um, yeah, I really want to see her because you know. Uh, again, like you alluded to earlier, we don't know how long this is going to go on for. Right. And, um, you know, like, you know, we don't know when he'll be back again after this tour. So, uh, and, um, you know, it could be a year or two or three or four. And things can happen during that time as well. And none of us are getting any younger. So um, let's hope she makes a track down here anyway, Lee. Yeah, Patty's cool. You get a different set list when you get Patty on stage, I find, too. It's almost like when Patty's not there, Bruce kind of wants to rock a little bit more, which you can kind of dig, too. I like seeing Bruce kind of just, you know, rock. I like the rock and roll, Bruce. And when Patty's on stage, sometimes you get a lot a little more, a few more love songs. You know, like, you're not going to get Tunnel of Love songs if Patty's not there. And I love a lot of these Tunnel of Love songs, right? So you're, you're balancing uh, those two things, you know, when Patty's on board or not. So we'll see. These, this tour is in February, so maybe she's got to take care of the kids and school. Who knows? <laughs> maybe we can get a yeah. babysitter and she'll want to escape yeah. the uh, cold winter of uh, the northeast U.S. for the hot summer beaches of Australia. <laughs> yeah, let's hope she makes it. But, um, yeah, that you mentioned that Tunnel of Love album, and that that's, that, that's a corker of an album. And I uh, remember I got Tunnel of Love in Cape Town, it was either second or third night, and um, not not Tunnel of Love, sorry, uh, tougher than the rest, and um, it was just really good to get, you know. And um, you know, again, it's one of those ones that doesn't come up every day, and a lot of people like to hear it, you know. So it was a uh, bucket yeah. list. Yeah, that was dogs. one of my. That's definitely one of my favorite songs off that album. Just that slow paced and the uh, the passion of that vocal. Uh, Us. Yeah, especially that the, the guitar solo, that like low note bass guitar solo, and then the harmonica at the end, man, just shivers down your spine, you know, <laughs> the emotion in that song. Yeah, uh, it's superb, absolutely superb. So, yeah. no. So, uh, what else do we want to talk about here? Um, have you met any of the guys? Have you ever encountered uh, any of the fellas? Yeah, I've, um, I've, I've met Niels. Uh, He's a very nice guy. Yeah. Uh, they all seem like great guys. Like, everything you hear is like, wow, they're just like you'd expect. They're just regular good guys. Absolute gentleman. I've met Jake um, a fair few times, actually. Um, it was funny when Jake Jake toured down here last year on his solo tour. He remembered my name, which, um, wow, believe nice. it or not, quite, <laughs> quite bad. And um, he, he's just, you know, a down-to-earth gentleman and um, uh, just... Very, yeah, very, very nice guy. Very engaging guy. Uh, uh, met, met Roy briefly. I met Michelle. Uh, met Michelle. Um, met um, Cindy. Um, I got on stage. At, got on stage at a show in 2014. Oh really? How did yeah. that? Tell us that story. What was that? How did that come down? Oh, flew into Auckland uh-huh. and um, for the two shows over there and. I um, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I got a got a sign made up, laminated sign, yeah. and just an A3 paper size sign, laminated, and did it myself. And went to the local office works here and had it laminated. And um, I um, almost left it at Melbourne Airport. And, um, went to the gents before I boarded the plane, and I left it on a hand basin there. <laughs> but went went to sat back down before jumping on my flight, Lee, and I thought, 
where's my sign and race back into the gents and there it was up above the um on the hand thing above the hand basin oh, so no. anyway um so first night there um down the front and um yeah i was first first cab off the rank uh bruce saw it and pulled me up and um what did you say what did the sign say oh it said michelle is my east street bell dance <laughs> and uh, it was just a simple sign and yeah. um it, it did the job you know and uh yeah pretty 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 happy and um you know um had, had a dance with michelle and you know had a uh yeah, grabbed the tambourine and stayed up there for a little while. And, um, and what was the song? What song did you get to dance on? Oh, I was doing dancing, dancing obviously, in the top. Obviously, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it was. Um, oh, it was. A couple of my mates got some good photos and good photos of Stevie and I up there at the microphone. And nice. it's really, oh, it's really, really, really cool. And so I'm. Um, so my, you're on my Facebook, so you'd be able to see it anyway if you're ever interested. But um, excellent, yeah. It's just a, um, oh, it's a bucket list sort of thing. I remember, remember when I got off stage, Bruce gave me a big hug and he said, he said, hey man, you did really well up here tonight. Oh, it's awesome. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, and I'll never forget that. And you know, I, I've forgotten what I said. It was probably crap. You know, I love your music or something yeah, like yeah. that. You know. <laughs> you know, big, big, big hug, you know, like everyone does when they go off stage. But yeah, it was really good. And um, uh, what a know. moment! That's excellent. Yeah, it, it actually was Lee. And um, like I said, that that whole experience in 2014 for the High Hopes tour was um, second to none. And you know, met a lot of good people. Met a lot of good people from overseas. And there's been a lot of friendships maintained, and a lot of friendships have further developed since that time. And you know, we have, you know catch-ups here in Melbourne you know got a lot of good friends down here in Melbourne through you know the music of Springsteen and that's one of the beautiful things that I think that I've gotten out of it not only the you know um, the pleasure from the music but you know it's a pleasure from the friendships as well Lee and exactly. um, got very good friends from it and people I might not have met otherwise and you know people from different who work in different industries and professions and you would never have crossed paths with them. And that, that's the beauty of Springstone music. It, you know, gels a lot of uh, different people together, you know, brings brings us all together and people relate to it. And exactly. uh, It's beautiful. It's, and that's, uh, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to put this podcast together, you know. Like, I went to the show there in February, and I just, I've always been a huge Springsteen fan, and I just wanted, you know, to take my Springsteen fandom to another level. I wanted to do more. I wanted to reach out to some people. I wanted to talk more about Springsteen and discuss some of these intricacies, you know, some of the minutia of this guy's amazing, you know, 40 plus year career. So, uh, yeah, it's been great to reach out to you and get all these different perspectives from all these Springsteen fans around the world that are, you know, brought together by this man and his music. It's amazing. It's it is amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, music can do is wonderful. Music can do wonderful things, you know, in the world. It certainly can, Lee. So, Lee, um, have you seen any of the uh, River shows this year? I went to one. I got to one. You know, like, I'm financially, I can't afford to, you know, hit shows all over the world as much as I'd like to. So I kind of hit the shows I can get out to in the kind of southern Ontario area here. Uh, he only played one show this year, so I only hit the Toronto show. It was great. You know, but I've, yeah. I've, I source out uh, some other ways to see shows. You know, I, I got some... Ooh. 
bootleg connections and i uh i i i'm i got my ear to the ground and i check them all out but uh you know, hopefully I'll get the chance in future years to check out some more things and uh, give us. I'm sure Springsteen's not going to stop until he drops, you know. So I'm sure we're going to get Springsteen solo records and solo tours until he can no longer breathe. But we'll see how long the E Street Band uh, can keep up with him, you know. Well, um, you know, with the passing of the time and we've seen what's happened this year with uh, different things, um, yep. you know. No, no, nothing lasts forever, unfortunately, and, um, you know, we've even unfortunately seen that with the East Street band in years gone past. So, um, but, you know, like, like, like we said earlier, um, they're at the top of their game right now, I think. You know, I could be barking up the wrong tree, but, you know, some, some of the shows and that that they're doing, they're second to none, and um, from what I see and what I've heard and, you know, um, like you said, you've got different ways of sourcing uh, shows and songs and that, and you, know, you just jump on YouTube or, you know, Scope yeah. or whatever it may be, and some of the stuff that you see and hear is second to none, and um, he, he's really, I think he's taking taken it to a whole new level, in my opinion. Yep. And we're fortunate that he's releasing, you know, live soundboard audio of all of his shows, right? Like, I just recently grabbed all three uh, MetLife shows from a couple of weeks ago in August there. The three stadium shows just came out, specially priced, and uh, so you can get all 102 songs from those three nights in Jersey, you know, and they sound great, so you can experience... So he's allowing, you know, people all over the world to experience these shows, so... Incredible. 12 hours of music, and... Uh, <laughs> that's, that's crazy, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely incredible. So you you leave home in the morning, you leave it on your leave it leave it on your uh, MP3 player, and yep. you come home still on after work. And <laughs> absolutely amazing. It's amazing and that uh, man, yeah. he's the energizer man, that's for sure. And you know, at the age of sixty-seven, there's you know full credit to the guy. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, absolutely. Jamie. Well, well, thanks a lot for helping us out with this podcast. Is there anything you wanted to plug or let people know anything about or? Uh... Not really. There's a guy here in Australia that's um, just a local guy. I'll give a plug if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, um, he's a local guy here on the Melbourne scene called Dave Wright and the Midnight Electric. And uh, he's uh, I met him through the music of Springstone, actually, and um, he's got an album out down here. Him and his band are currently recording a second album and uh, uh, their debut album, uh, The Lucky Country, one of the best uh, debut albums you'll ever hear, and I say that without a hint of bias. Um, they play a lot of gigs here in Melbourne, and um, really looking forward to the second album that I believe will be out uh, later this year, uh, Lee. Um, so let's Dave right in the Midnight Electric. Um, he's on YouTube, Lee. I recommend you have a look at him and um, you know just check him out and. Uh, maybe the title track there, The Lucky Country, that's a good video clip that they've done and um, there's different songs there. Um, so really worth really worth the listen. So if you like like bands like, you know, obviously Springsteen, Gaslight Anthem, you know, Aussie influences like Hunters and Collectors, um, The Go-Betweens, uh, Weddings, Parties, Anything, you know, you'll certainly like Dave Wright and the Midnight Electric. So Excellent. I'll um, check do that you out. Dave there, Lee. I will. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, no, good on you. And I'll send you some links there at some stage too, mate. For so. sure. Sounds great, yeah. I'll right. keep you posted on the uh, on the Aussie tour next year anyway, if you like. And Yeah, um, we'd love yeah. to have you back maybe uh, when that tour wraps up in March or April and get your, uh, get your recap. Let us know what happened. 
Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd really appreciate that, Lee. Actually, yeah, all that right, would be nice. Well, thanks again, Jamie, for giving us this Australian perspective on uh, being a Springsteen fan and uh, current events and following Springsteen into the future here. <laughs> good, good on you, Lee. It's uh, I've really appreciated it, and um, all the best over there in Toronto, mate. Absolutely. And let's leave out with a song. What do you want to hear? Let's play something. What do you want to hear? Let's go. Um, one that you mentioned, the price you pay. Price you pay. Let's do the price you pay. Good on you, Lee. All Thanks, right. mate. All the best over there. Talk Cheers, to you next guys. Time. Thanks, buddy. Bye, mate.
right, my thanks to Jamie McClellan for helping us out with this show, giving us that Australian perspective of being a Springsteen fan. Hope you've enjoyed the uh, stories we've shared and some of the music we played. Feel free to contact us through our Facebook group page and or the TrampsLikeUsPod.com website. Give us your story. Perhaps you'd like to guest on the show and uh, talk some Springsteen. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you later. So, that's the show, folks. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website at TrampsLikeUsPod.com, communicate with us on Facebook at our Tramps Like Us podcast group page, and on Twitter at Tramps Like Us Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, where you can leave a review and a five-star rating. Tramps Like Us podcast is a non-profit audio fanzine created by fans for fans and is available for free. We are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or Columbia Sony Records. If you've heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it from BruceSpringsteen.net, iTunes, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earthquaking, love-making, Viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary E Street Band.
going nowhere, somebody help me. Life's going nowhere, somebody help me. Life's going nowhere, somebody help me. Well, you can't tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man, no time to talk. Music loud and wind warm. I've been kicked around since I was born. It's alright, it's okay. Never the other way. We can try to understand the New York Times effect. Whether you're a mother or wealthy or a mother, you're staying alive, staying alive. Feel the city breaking and everybody shaking. We're staying alive, staying alive.